0: Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Hello, thank you for taking a seat. So this episode is the series Storytellers episode. And this time we have five different women sharing pieces, some read by them, some read by us. One is our own Kim McIsaac's piece. And it's beautiful to see how different people this life in different situations. Some are more about struggle, some are about hope, and there are beautiful takeaways you can get from each of them. Listening to the stories with me today, I have Tabitha. Hello. Kim. Hi. Rachel. Hey everyone. Jen. Hello. And I'm Jamie. Let's get to it. This is How We Do It by Renee Sellers.
1: As a mom of a newly diagnosed autistic daughter, I'm still trying to get the hang of driving her to therapies every day and calling for yet another kind of doctor's visit and getting put on another waiting list and talking to insurance companies and then waiting weeks for answers. But I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, I don't know how you do it. All I know is that I want the absolute best for my daughter, Opal. I will take her to three therapies a day. I'll buy her seven different kinds of Chewy necklaces and I'll bring out the Pex book so I can figure out what she wants. Do you wanna know the secret for how I do it every day? Most mornings I wake up to a banging sound on the baby monitor telling me that Opal's out of bed and thrusting her body into the door because she's nonverbal and can't call out for me. She can't knock on the door because she hasn't really learned how to yet. So that's the only way she knows how to tell me she's awake. We walk into the living room and then into the kitchen so I can ask her if she wants orange juice or almond milk. And it's usually orange juice. And I add her multivitamin in because she won't eat any fruits or vegetables. And then that leads to breakfast. Some mornings it's a sunflower butter and jelly sandwich because she can't have peanuts right now. And some mornings she'll eat sausage in an apple pouch. And some mornings she'll only eat chips, but she has to eat, right? I then grab her lunchbox to pack what I pack almost every single day which is basically what she had for breakfast. A sunflower butter and jelly sandwich, two applesauce pouches, and some chips or cauliflower stalks. She loves those. I pack an extra set of clothing just in case she pees through or soils her diaper. Yes, she's almost four and yes, she's still in diapers. Opal can't pull her pants up by herself and she can't always communicate because remember, she doesn't have any words right now. Potty training would be a nightmare and honestly just not feasible, but we'll try again in the future. I put on her clothes and then shoes. Her shoes have to be closed-toed and shoes she can't easily get off or she'll take them off constantly during the day, anywhere, anytime. I then go to fix her hair. She hates this part. Thankfully, it's curly, so we can get away with a lot more. Sometimes I have to put her hair into multiple ponytails to then meet in the middle because it's harder for her to pull those out. One ponytail doesn't usually cut it because by the end of the day, her hair tie will be lost and I'll pick her up with all of her hair in her face. She doesn't know how to simply tuck her hair behind her ear. We can't forget her t-shirt chewy necklace. She's constantly sensory seeking and needs something to chew on at all times. This is her favorite necklace and the only one she will use consistently. We need her to chew on this instead of rocks or putting anything with germs in her mouth and then we send her into the car with a book. She loves them and they keep her entertained while we drive the 15 to 20 minutes one way to her ABA clinic. If we forget even one of these items, it can lead to disaster, not because she's picky or bratty, but because she has a routine and it's truly just best if we stick with it. She goes to ABA therapy five times a week, totaling 30 hours. She attends speech therapy twice a week, totaling an hour and occupational therapy is once a week for an hour. But this also includes feeding therapy as well. Opal attends all of these therapies. On Thursdays, she goes to all three. And this is without preschool, which we've been encouraged to try multiple times. She's three. She does more than I do in a week. But then I struggle with mom guilt because she should be around other peers and maybe I'm making a bad choice. Maybe I have her go to therapy too much or maybe not enough. There are appointments with therapists to keep up with, evaluations every few months. Homework comes with each therapy, and this isn't including my other daughter, who is now in physical therapy and speech therapy herself. How do I do it? I just do. But you know one reason it's worth it? Watching my daughter wave for the first time in over a year. Watching her choose between an orange juice peck and a milk peck, knowing that's exactly what she wanted watching her dance in my living room when I was too scared to hope she ever would again. Yeah, it's a lot, but wow how it's helped Opal all for the better. It's a lot more on her than it is on me, and if she can handle it and wake up every day being fearless and overcoming obstacles, then so can I. Renee
0: is a mom from Oklahoma she writes about her daughter Opal who's on the autism spectrum she likes to share her journey to advocate and educate others and to share an education that she wished she would have had before she learned of her daughter's diagnosis you can find her on Facebook and Instagram as Life with Opal Constant Barrier by Courtney Mills read by
2: Rachel Flanagan Most don't understand that communication isn't just being able to speak. I never knew of the word nonverbal until my son. I grew up around those who could verbally speak or spoke using their hands for sign language, but I never thought of it as nonverbal. When I heard those words come out of my son's doctor's mouth, I felt my heart sink. My thoughts immediately went to how I will communicate with my son. I started learning about alternative forms of communication, sign language, PECs, which is the picture exchange communication system, and AAC, or augmentative and alternative communication devices. I quickly learned that what worked for one child may not work for another. We started our journey with sign language. We worked on asking for more and all done. But after many months, I finally learned to speak up and say this is not working. I requested to try PECs. The process seemed once again like we were getting nowhere communicating with our son. For the first time, it was requesting music or bubbles. I was getting discouraged once again. This continued for months until we started home ABA therapy. They ordered him his own textbook and we immediately dove into work on his communication. Before I knew it, we were going from phase one to phase two, sharing videos with family and friends of how well Graham was doing. This continued until we hit phase four of PECS. Then he proceeded to echo us, saying a few words. So our ABA shifted their focus for communication to verbal. We worked so hard on those few words he would repeat. But by doing this, I started to see all of the communication that we had acquired slowly slipping away. I advocated that we needed to continue working with PECS. I didn't care it wasn't verbal. My biggest concern was losing all of the communication we had gained, but my fear was happening. He no longer wanted to use his PECS book. It caused more frustration leading to behavior issues. During this time, our son had managed to master navigating my phone to Spotify. Not only finding it, but he searched for music he liked. So the ABA therapist suggested we look into transitioning to an AAC device. Getting an AAC device was not a quick process. I spoke with our speech therapist so that we could start the process. But during this time, we lost our speech therapist and our replacement was out due to medical issues. So we had a temp therapist. This delayed the process even longer. I was desperate and couldn't wait any longer. I found an organization that offered loaner devices. So I applied and we were able to get one. Six weeks with a loaner device. Then what? It usually takes three to six months to get a device approved through Medicaid. Luckily, the company that did our son's evaluation offers a loaner program where most of the time the children has a loaner until they receive their own device. So here we are starting from scratch again with communication. With all these changes, all it did was confuse Graham. The confusion once again caused frustration. While he had gained vocalization through echoing us and his YouTube videos, his communication was continuing to disappear. We didn't know which route to take to let us know what he wanted. Just because he could vocally say words, he didn't understand how to use those words to communicate. He would say, I want bubbles. But that could mean that he wants a drink or his TV changed my head hurts. It's been two years of therapy, two years of trying to gain communication with my son, trying to be patient as he learns these alternative forms of communication. I thought these were stepping stones to reach verbal communication, but that doesn't always happen. The hope is always there, but the one thing I long for more than anything is a consistent form of communication with my son. To know what he's hungry for, to know what hurts and when he doesn't feel good, to know if he wants to go out, to keep him from becoming frustrated because he can't communicate. All I want is to understand my son.
0: Courtney is a mama from Arkansas. She often writes about her family's journey with their autistic son, Graham. You can find her at guidinggramsway.com and Guiding Way on Facebook and Instagram. How Far He's Come and How Far the World Has Yet to Go by Brianna Olson Read by Jamie Ramos This weekend, we took our annual trip to a large, local, well-known pumpkin patch for some family fun. The day started off slow as our boy took his time acclimating to the scenery. It's a lot to take in for him, and for Mama too, if we're being honest. The swirling of sounds is enough to cloud your focus all on its own. There is lots of chatter as it is a very popular place. Children sprinting by enjoying themselves, live music playing in various corners, the shuffling of feet across the dirt paths kicking up dust, the sound of catapulted apples clang in the background. It can be an overwhelming spot. But each year we go, we try, keeping expectations low and hopes high, as there are beautiful parts to this place that put some of the biggest smiles on Beckett's face. And once our sweet boy got into his own groove and found his happy place, within the barnyard playground area, we all put our anxieties down, like heavy grocery bags about to slip from grip. Beckett skipped and giggled and galloped over to the music station, of course, tracing his fingers over the makeshift drums, then the xylophones, and the sand-covered floor. He made his way around in a circle inspecting everything, eyes bright and curious, and his curiosity led him over to another young boy, older than Beckett. He was maybe 10, 11. My beautiful boy walked up to that young man, looked up into his eyes, smiled as big as the sky, and touched his arm gently as if to say, hi, friend, notice me. My face lit up like Christmas morning. My baby is initiating communication. He's reaching out. He's making eye contact. And then my face dropped from joy to sadness in less than a minute. The boy looked back at my Beckett with a look of near disgust. Or so it seemed. In this child's defense, I'm sure he was a bit confused. He probably thought, why is this kid touching me? My son doesn't speak, not with his words anyway so there was no verbal expression of excitement from Beckett or way for him to ask the other little boy to play with him. No way for him to give an explanation, and from where I stand, no reason to even give one. He was trying with all his might to connect. He wanted so much to play with this boy, to be included, to be seen. If only they could feel in their heart how hard he worked for this, right here. He put himself out there, pushed past his anxieties and challenges and fears, and reached out to make a friend. He was met with a sour look and the abrupt pull of the boy's arm away from him. He walked away from my boy faster than I could even step in to interpret. And the parents, or who I assume to be so, they simply sat on the sidelines a short 15 feet away, not so, quietly gossiping to each other about how weird of an encounter that was. I stared in their direction. I didn't get mad, but instead I fought back big ugly tears and guided Beckett over to another section, home of the bouncy farm animals. He played alone with us instead. For the next good chunk of the afternoon, I let my mind spiral. I thought, I should have said something. I thought, I could have educated that family. And maybe I really should have. But it was then I looked over, my eyes met my son and husband having a wonderful time, and I let go of it. How could I stay upset when my boy's smile looks so grand? Situations like these remind me of how far we truly have to go to spread both awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. It reminds me just how much we have to look past when met with ignorance and confusion from others. I thank God that my son blissfully pays no mind to that ignorance. I thank God that my son sees only the good in people that when his body and mind are calm enough, he will play alongside anyone willing to do the same, regardless of gender, age, ethnicity, status, etc. Just as it should be, I thank God that his beautiful brain was given the gift of sight, sight of what is truly important, and I thank God every minute of every day that I get to call him my son. Brianna is a mom from Nebraska. Her and her family are committed to spreading autism acceptance and educating the masses about their sweet boy, Beckett, who is on the spectrum. You can find her at 2infinityandbeyondwords.com, 2, infinity and beyond two infinity and beyond words on Facebook and on Instagram. Communication by Kim McIsaac.
3: When I looked down at my daughter with her bright green eyes and crazy curly hair, I feel like my heart could burst. At first glance she looks like a typical two year old bobbing around the house with her Barney doll or whatever item or toys she chooses today. She is smiling and very busy as she wanders through the house, exploring, climbing, and twirling. She'll even come over to me and stretch her arms out for some bouncing and tickling, and she will giggle and it's the sweetest sound you will ever hear. She will come to me and she will gesture towards the fridge. You see she has no words. Not even any sounds really. I will offer her a cup and she will either happily receive it, or throw it if it's not what she wants. I will try to look at her, but she will look away, unable to look in my eyes. The frustration will mount as I ask her what she wants and offer her a choice between two items. She will take one and she will be off again. Sitting at the table is not a skill she has acquired, and I wonder if she ever will. I will repeat the words, asking her to make the sounds, but it falls on seemingly deaf ears. We thought she actually was deaf for a while. She didn't respond to anything we said, not even her name. She is now responding to that. She will turn her head and look, and then quickly turn away but it's progress, so I'll take it. She then retrieves her cup and climbs on the couch and looks over at me. She wants to watch Bonnie. So I ask her, do you wanna watch Bonnie? And she looks at me and then at the TV. Can you say Barney? She did say this before, it was one of her first words, but we haven't heard it in over a year. She looks at me and I say, can you say ba? Say ba, slowly repeating the sound silently pleading in my mind for even a sound, just one. But no sounds come out and the silence is deafening. She begins to get upset and starts flailing. I retreat and put Bonnie on for her. Her whole face lights up and she starts bouncing up and down while the song starts, her favorite part. She is bouncing and squealing with delight. Just like that, she's in her happy place. As she resets, she goes over to the door and slaps it. She wants to go outside. Okay, let's get dressed. Easier said than done. She does not like clothes, and it's like wrestling an alligator to get her dressed. As we are walking through the kitchen, she grabs my hand and pushes it towards the counter. Ah, she wants bubbles. She loves bubbles. Can you say bubble? Ba, bubble, nothing. I look deep into her eyes, searching for something, anything. She becomes frustrated and impatient and starts protesting and letting me know in her own way. I want bubbles and I want them now. As I grab the bubbles, I wonder if she will ever be able to say the words to communicate. You see, I didn't hear the words nonverbal autism yet. I didn't know what that was, and I had never even heard of nonverbal or a child who didn't learn to talk. I just longed for communication, for less frustration and more connections. What I didn't know is she was communicating. This was her very first stage of it. Pointing, gesturing, pulling your hand, and believe it or not, slapping things, is all a part of communication. It is considered nonverbal communication and it is the first step of communication. So as I scurry outside with the bubbles and try to soldier on, having no idea what this journey will bring and if words will even come, I remind myself she is only two, she has time. She will talk, right? Everyone learns to talk, don't they? She runs and jumps with excitement as I begin to blow bubbles. She is not a care in the world and I can't help but laugh because she is so cute and her excitement is melting all my worries away at least for the moment. Communication is what we must fight and push for, not just talking. As hard as it is to imagine, there are kids who may never speak. We have to find a way to give them a voice and teach them to communicate.
0: That was our Kim McIsaac coming from Boston, Massachusetts. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram on her page, Autism Adventures with Alyssa. When birds show the way, you only need to follow. By Lynn
4: Deportish. When birds show the way, you only need to follow. Remember that day, you wondered, will my kids ever have friends or who respect and accept them for who they are? Today at soccer practice, our train soaking wet, we decided to have our special needs team trained together with the six and seven-year-olds. Yep, it was one of those improvised practices because nothing went as planned. While well, my husband and their coach set up a totally different practice, adapted their, to their abilities, I suddenly had to entertain my own special needs team of 11 kids and 26 and 7-year-olds from the regional team. While I was looking after the most severe kid of the team, non-verbal, overrate and go on, a bunch of those 6 and 7-year-olds came over and stopped the exercise I had given them. Suddenly, one of them found the courage to add a big question in his mind. Coach, they are different, right? I stopped in my tracks, looked at him closely, and simply asked, what makes you think that? The kid surely must, must have had a lot of courage. He looked back to my most severe. He looked at my son, gazed at some of the elder kids, turned back to me and started pointing out what he noticed. Well, see, Coach, this boy doesn't speak. He only makes sounds as he was looking at the severe kids. That kid hops instead of running, looking at my son. He looks like a big kid, but acts like he is a toddler, looking at one of the elder kids, and then turned back. They are different, aren't they? I squat down to his eye level and only can tell him the truth. Yes, they are. I respond, trying to foresee what will happen. But they also like to play soccer, just like you, so I don't think they are that different. I get an okay and he and his friends run off to get a ball and continue their exercise as he stops in his tracks and turns back. Coach, what makes him different? I stop that silence, gain my voice, and tell the boy they have autism. It makes their minds work differently than yours. He tilts his head and continues to run. While I turn back to my severe kid, still holding my hand, I feel a little hand on my back. Coach, can we do this exercise with him? We want to play with him. I gladly stepped aside, watching six and seven-year-olds taking over the exercise I set up for my most severe. I see his smile and look around in the field and see the same thing happening all over the field. At the end of the practice, the first boy handed something to the kid I was coaching for three years and never did anything without me vocally coaching him. When I saw the young kids gave my cuddly bear a toy ring, I couldn't help but smile. When the young boy saw me looking, he said, it's for him. He is my friend coach because he loves soccer. The smile on my cuddly bear's face was the same for all of my kids of the special needs team. I had to turn because I was crying just by seeing... Kids being kids and showing that accepting people for who they are isn't that hard at all. All it needed was a calm explanation. My birds showed it was possible. I just hadn't expected it at a soccer field with six and seven-year-olds.
0: Lynn is from Belgium. She's an amazing advocate. She has a page called A Bird Named Kiki on Facebook, where she talks about her son Leander and how getting a bird changed their lives. She's also started a soccer team in their league in Belgium that gives all kids the opportunities to play just for the love of the game. Make sure you check her out on Facebook on her page, A Bird Named Kiki. That's it for this episode. If you would like to submit a story for a future storytellers episode, we would love it just reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram or email us at table 45 podcast at gmail.com. We'll also have posts up about it where you can submit if you want to be on the lookout for those. Bye. Thank you for joining us at the table for the fourth episode of our sixth series. This is how we do it. If you are enjoying our podcast and listening on Apple podcasts, we would appreciate if you could rate and review us. You can also leave a review on our Facebook page. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also email us at podcast at gmail.com. We have new episodes every Monday. Join us next week for our No Reservations episode. We'll see you there. Bye.